Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you on this beautifully drippy day. You know, it really is. We're very, very, very grateful that you would choose to make your way here and um, uh, be with us today. Today is a special day. Today, uh, things are going to happen a little differently than uh, they may most Sundays. And uh, grateful for that in many, many ways. Had a great uh, first service and just a lot of response. As people were heading out, sharing with me what God was doing in their lives, I'm just I'm kind of overwhelmed by it, quite frankly. Today, for those of you that are unaware, today marks the 50 years since the Supreme Court of the United States uh, made that decision uh, that we know is Roe versus Wade, and it legalized abortion in the United States. But, you know, with the gospel, there's always redemption. And we're getting to live in that because today is also the 39th observance of the Sanctity of Human Life Day. And this is the first time that observance has taken place after the Supreme Court reversed that horrendous decision of 50 years ago and declared, yeah, praise God, praise God, declaring that our Constitution does not provide for someone to take, legally take, the life of a defenseless human being. And I'm grateful that that decision, as, as so many of, of you are as well, and, you know, following that decision uh, back at the end of June, the 1st of July, I made some comments in the message that following weekend uh, about how I saw that decision impacting those of us who, who follow Jesus and would follow Jesus, and even more specifically, Uh, what that would look like for this church, River Bluff Church, to move towards the call of God in in that environment. And I want to return to some of those statements in in a moment, but before I do that, I want us to read together John uh, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to it or turn turn it on so that you can follow along. I'm going to be reading out of uh, the English a standard version today, and uh, starting in verse 1, John chapter 14, context is this is in the upper room on the night before Jesus would be betrayed uh, and, and put to death for your sin and, and for mine, and Jesus is trying to comfort his disciples. He, he gives these words to them, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas, one of the twelve disciples, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him a verse I hope is kind of in your mental repertoire, and that is Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. This is the word of the Lord. And one of the things that I hope you are captured by is the statements that Jesus made there, that he is the life, he is the truth, and he is the way. And part of that, what that means for me is is this, is that Jesus, he has his ways for his people to live his life from his truth, as revealed in, in his word. Now, uh, some of you are familiar with a paraphrased translation of the Bible 
called The Message. Anybody ever read from that or, or listened to it? I, I love what Eugene Peterson did there. I especially love listening to it and encouraged my, my soul. Um, but what you may not know about uh, Eugene Peterson, he was a pastor um, and uh, served the Lord very, very faithfully. He was also a prolific writer. He wrote uh, over 30 other books in addition to his paraphrase of um, of, of God's Word uh, that we know as the message. And one of the, the latter books that uh, his name is on, is, he also shares that, uh, the, the book with his son, Eric. Uh, it's, it's entitled Letters to a Young Pastor. And it's a collection of 37 letters that Eugene Peterson wrote to a pastor in a significant season of struggle. Now, that pastor happened to be his son, Eric. And I have, I have been personally blessed incredibly from the writings of Eugene Peterson to his son, this father discipling his son in ministry, kind of like what Paul did for Timothy. And part of what Eugene points out in his letters, uh, more than one of those 37, matter of fact, almost every one of them, he points out how the evangelical Christian movement, we try to do the right thing, but not always the right way. Sometimes we try to do the right thing, but we do it the wrong way. And sometimes it's in our effort to win because we want the truth of Jesus to prevail. And what happens is oftentimes we forget and forsake the ways of Jesus in pursuit of the truth of Jesus. I love the way uh, Eugene straightforwardly says it. He says, if we're going to live the Jesus life, we simply have to do it the Jesus way. He is, after all, the way as well as the truth and the life. Now, those of you who have been hanging out here for a little bit know we've been kind of working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, verse by verse, and uh, we've been in it, I don't know, 14, 15 weeks, uh, and we still got a long ways to go. We're just up to like Matthew 6, the, the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to be there for a few more weeks. Um, but this is, this is the ways of Jesus that he talks about the kingdom. Now, one of the things that I would agree with that our world needs is for the church of Jesus to continue to speak truth to power when it comes to social issues, when it comes to important issues. And yes, we need to uh, develop uh, great strategies that, that help us accomplish the mission of God in the world. And one of those is that abortion one day might be completely ended in, in our land, that we, we pray for that. But the world needs to also see us walking in the way as we present the truth and as we live the life. They need to see us not only, you know, taking our stand, but they need to see how did we get there? How did we arrive at that stand? And of course, any argument that would uh, celebrate protecting human life from womb to tomb is found in, in the revealed truth of God through, through his, his word. Now, as disciples of Jesus, we can't just stand in what looks like abstract truth to the world. We've got to take action. We've got to live out that truth with action. You may remember uh, God's word through the Apostle James in 1 John. I mean, the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 18, he says, let us not only love in, in, in word or tongue, but with action and in truth. So, if our truth is that every person on this planet was created in the image of God and bears his image, this means they should each have a right to life. And that the life that they have would be worthy of supreme dignity and infinite value that we would see every life that way. Even a life that disagrees with us. Even a life that has gone through an abortion, even a life who may have funded an abortion. Now, please hear me say, I believe that it is the heart of God for abortion to be unlawful throughout our, our land. But I also believe that it's the heart of God that the heart of our culture would come to think of abortion as both unthinkable 
and unnecessary. I believe God wants that for our nation, the whole, the whole lot of us. But until, until God brings that day about, until that day comes about, it's so easy for us to look at those who disagree with us and think, be tempted that they're the enemy. Friends, they may disagree, but they are still deserving of our kindness and compassion because the, the Lord God uh, creator, the Lord God almighty of heaven and earth declared when he created them that they bear his image and that they are worthy of our compassion and our kindness and our love. And Jesus, when he hung on the cross, declared that they are, are worthy because he saved them from their sin the same way he chose to save us from our sin. And as followers of Jesus, living truth with action means some things that we need to do. Like, come alongside moms who are facing challenges of an unplanned pregnancy all alone. It, it means that we as a body of Christ, River Bluff Church, we need to continue, yes, to work for the right of the unborn to live, but not stop there. See, following the way of Jesus, demonstrating the truth of Jesus, like, like the truth that we, we find in James uh, chapter 1, verse 27, James tells us about pure religion that's undefiled in the sight of God our Father. He says it's this. It's to care for orphans and widows in their misfortune. That we're to care for them, tangibly care for them, come alongside these new moms in unplanned pregnancies who need the gospel, who need spiritual strength, who need tangible support emotionally and financially. And I believe that God is calling us to work through his kingdom in this way, building with him his kingdom that leads people to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Receiving, that, that they might receive the good news about Jesus through our declaration of the gospel and God's goodness in Christ, yes, but also through our demonstration, how we, how we live that out. Showing that the gospel transforms our hearts to love people that we may even disagree with and disagree with some of the life choices that they've made, but we will still act in love towards them. And this means things like, you know, increasing our support and our engagement in uh, our decades-long partnerships with organizations uh, like Low Country Pregnancy Center that so many of you serve in and volunteer and, and, and give to. But I believe it means more than that in this unique time in our history. And God, through his sovereignty and his infinite wisdom, he's been stirring hearts here. Um, I spoke with a lady on the way out who they've been visiting our church for about three months. Lindsay, you're going to, this, this is crazy. She said, um, the only reason we hadn't said this is our church yet is because you didn't have a, a ministry that we've been looking for that we talked about today. And she said, we are all in now. Um, because God moved on, on her heart through what's taking place uh, today. Now, God's been stirring this for a long time and some of you and some of you have been in the battlefield uh, uh, on this he's also brought some folks here in the last several years who their hearts are just ablaze in this and i've i've been waiting some of you know this i've been waiting since july of last year for this day I, and so i i can be patient i know some of you think that's impossible but i i've been waiting since july uh for 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 this moment the day that god would launch a, a new ministry here at River Bluff in the area of domestic adoption that would have as its goal to, yes, support adoptive parents and the adoptive child, but to support the birth moms, the birth biological dads, those families on both ends of the spectrum, that we, we would see all of those as people that God's called us to step into. Now, I, I knew back then uh, on, in July that God had uniquely stirred the heart uh, of one of our, our newer members uh, into to this ministry. And I want you to meet her and her husband because the story is, is theirs together. Um, and, and just hear what, what God is doing. So Taylor and Lindsay Powell, if y'all would make your way to the stage. 
Um, as many of you know, I, I'm very excited about this moment and for you to meet them. So welcome them as they are coming. Yeah. So y'all have done the mic thing in the first service. It should still be on. I, I, I checked them. Yeah, I, I looked at them as I was coming up to make sure they were on. Um, this is Taylor and Lindsey Powell. Um, they have been hanging out with us for about two and a half years, I think, and made the decision about a year and a half or so ago to join and have been a part of us uh, that way. Um, you got some kiddos. Tell us a little bit about your kids. Yes, we have three kids. Um, two right here. Uh, Grayson is 13 and Sullivan is 11. And then our daughter is seven. And you even have parents. I have parents, <laughs> Nancy and Jeff. And, and they recently kind of followed y'all uh, here to the river and, and, and made, made this place uh, their home as well. And we're grateful for that too, uh, very, very well. Now, um, I, I, I've heard your story. I love your story. I, uh, I can't wait for you to share all the details about this. So how did your unique journey into adoption begin? Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of get us started here because um, my instructions on this was just to kind of introduce it and uh, push Lindsay down a hill and let her go with it because once she gets going, it's, she, she uh, speaks so elegantly and passionately about it. I just want to turn her loose. Um, but we're, we're so grateful to be here. Uh, this, again, like I said, just so, uh, so joyous to be able to speak on this and we're so passionate about it. Um, uh, I just wanted to put a disclaimer out there that anytime we, we talk about this, um, there's that possibility of one of us getting choked up or both of us potentially. And um, before the last service, um, I don't even think I made it up on stage uh, before I started getting choked up because as uh, my oldest was starting to walk out of the room to go to Sunday school class, uh, he turns to me and goes, good luck, mom and dad. And I was just like, ooh. <laughs> uh, so that really got to me um, uh, because it, it's not just Lindsay and I's story. It's, it's our whole family story. It's, um, it's the birth parents' story. Um, it's everybody that helped us through the journey story. Um, and we just want to make sure that it's, it's his story um, and how he helped us through it. So um, anyway, that's me pushing Lindsay down the hill. And uh, I'm going to turn her loose and let her go. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, it really started in 2014. Um, a few months before I was going to attend a women's conference here in town. And the Lord just kept bringing um, things in front of me about vulnerable ch children. Um, it was through conversations with friends, um, things on the news, sermons, um, songs, radios in the car, you know, things like that. And it was just very clear that he was speaking to me. I didn't know exactly at that time, like what he was trying to say. Um, but I knew that it had to do with um, just aligning my heart with what is breaking his. And I feel that at that women's conference, I got there and I had the privilege of sitting in front of a speaker who um, openly shared about her adoption story um, and just the trials and the ups and downs of that and everything that I had been hearing over the past few months just kind of flooded in. It just rushed in and it was a really emotional, powerful um, moment for, for, for me. And I just, after the conference, I just went to my girlfriends and I was like, I just need you ladies to pray. Like pray for the for whatever the Lord has in store, um, pray for the child because it was very apparent that there was a child out there. Um, I felt that child. Um, and then I stopped and I said, just pray for my husband. Um, <laughs> I did not know um, how he would take it. Uh, we had had some conversations in the past about possibly what, what would it look like to go from two to three. Um, and... Um, but anyway, so I went home and I walked through the door with all intentions of sleeping on it and having lots of prayer to back up the conversation. And in all Lindsay form, I looked at him and just broke down and just blurted it all out. And he graciously and beautifully just stared at me. 
um, <laughs> and said nothing, which is exactly what I needed. Um, he just let me get it all out. So Taylor, um, when, when, that, when that dam broke <laughs> and you were staring at her yeah. as she put, what's going through your head, man? What was going on in your mind? Yes, well, so she had, she had mentioned we had kind of had the conversation in the past about expanding our family and, you know, I didn't want to be outnumbered. I like playing. Uh, I like playing man-to-man defense, not not zone. So, um, so you know, there there's a difference. And when when she came through that door and just started going about how God was pinging her heart and planting that seed, and and I could see the passion and and just joy about um, about this child that was out there. I mean, I could do nothing but listen to what God was stirring in her heart. So, um, you know, as a, as a good spouse, you know, it was my job to sit and pray with her in that moment um, because both of us felt that being obedient in that time was what was important. And who knows what it would lead to, um, but definitely taking that next step of, of praying and getting information and walking through that door as it felt like Lindsay was and I were being called to do so I, I love that about you Taylor that you said <laughs> I needed to stop and pray and support her um, we needed to kind of come together on that journey I, I love that, I don't dude. know how I didn't rush to a <laughs> conclusion but yeah. well I, I love that about you man I, I really do now um, I, I know that in our culture there's there have been these waves of big movements to adopt internationally um, but you guys, you, you guys went through what's called domestic adoption. How did you, tell us about that journey, that part of your journey. Yeah, um, after lots of prayer and discernment, we, we've both felt that international adoption is where the Lord wanted us to at least start. We thought end um, at that time, but you know, we began the process and filling out forms and we really felt that um, at that time, it was like three to four year old, you know, we checked those boxes and there were a lot of boxes that, you know, um, we were open to and through, um, I, would, I would say months of just, you know, applying to different countries and countries shutting their door. Um, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So, um, kind of at that time, you know, countries were basically just shutting their doors off to, to adoption internationally as it was. Uh, but then also I personally had a couple of medical issues um, that were kind of deemed red flags uh, in a lot of countries. Um, and then also there's another factor like our case manager said, hey, you could you know, be geared up you have a child picked out, you get down to that court date and the judge looks at, you know, is having a bad day and sees your medical history and he could just yank the cord on you. And you could have spent years going down that road, money um, and uh, all for naught. Um, so, um, you know, we were, we were getting kind of frustrated and, um, you know, just with the international, not that that's necessarily, but we could see kind of that door or window closing, so. Yeah, I was very discouraged. Um, it was a really hard time for, for me. Um, I was still, you know, that desire to, to adopt and that longing and that just feeling that there was a child out there and then knowing that they were saying no. And um, I didn't understand and I was just really frustrated. Um, and in that frustration, I actually, called my brother and he is the one that said, Lindsay, have you ever thought that these doors being closed or as you see them as being closed and these walls being put up is just the Lord's way of, of turning you, of, um, of moving you and Taylor in a different direction. And that was huge. That was a pivotal moment for us. And so I was like, I don't know how I haven't thought of that, but um, with excitement, I, or we called our caseworker and we were like, okay, like, what does that look like for us? Like, if not international, then, then where? Um, and that's really how we came to domestic adoption. I was, we were both very um, naive and um, didn't really know anything about domestic adoption. 
um, at that time. So we've learned a lot and we um, just started digging into resources about birth mom and openness and things like that. Now, when you talk about openness, I know that there in, in kind of the domestic adoption, we'll call it the package of that, that there are different ways to go about that. And um, that there's this concept of an open domestic adoption. Can you kind of further unpack the specifics of what that looks like? Sure. Um, I look at it as any relationship. So when you start a relationship, it starts off small um, and it grows over time. Um, that as trust is built and as you get to know that person more and you see their heart and you see, um, you know, just what they bring that, you know, you naturally want to, you know, release more and kind of um, step into that more. And so openness in domestic adoption, it comes in lots of different forms. Um, it can look very differently for each family. Um, it's really the birth mom, birth family's, um, you know, decision whether or not openness will occur or not. Um, a lot of times um, they choose to have a closed adoption, but more than, um, more, more often it is um, some form of openness, whether it is emails um, that are, you're exchanging information like photographs and just, you know, monthly updates and things like that to phone calls and FaceTime um, to, you know, meeting at the park or at a restaurant. Um, in our case, we, and we did not start off this way by any means. Um, I think a lot of people hear our story and um, they, they hear the, you know, what we did last weekend. <laughs> You did what? Um, with who? Um, and it didn't start off that way. It was when we first adopted, um, they didn't even know our last name. And, you know, we corresponded with emails and it was a very gradual, um, as, like I said, as trust was built, um, we just felt more and more comfortable and then we started exchanging phone numbers. And, and now, you know, our daughter's birth mom just came for her seventh birthday, you know, and um, my mom and my mother-in-law and a bunch of my friends were there and it was, it was a really sweet time. She had never done that before. So that's another little, you know, a little step out in faith. Um, and Taylor, we're also very blessed and fortunate to have a relationship with her birth father as well. There's yeah. a story there that she, I, opened, she <laughs> opened it up there. So yeah, um, uh, yeah, it's it's it is a very unique situation to have the the birth father very involved through throughout the adoption process and also post adoption as well. And so um, yeah, that openness factor, you know, like Lindsay said, starts starts incrementally and kind of builds on it as trust trust develops. And so. Um, especially as a male, that was, you know, the, the male pride, the male ego, you know, that was a little hard to kind of have another, somebody stepping on my territory a little bit. So it, it did take me personally to be all transparent, hard to kind of open up my life to, to him, you know? Um, and, uh, but since then, as that trust has developed, it's been so cool. Um, we are almost too much alike. Um, we both share kind of a niche hobby of ultra running. So if anybody's familiar with ultra running, we're sick people that run very far distances. Um, so like in November, I did a hundred miler and that guy ran 40 miles with me just to support me um, and was there for the whole you know, 30 hours with me. So um, that speaks to his character and um, it's just been really cool to have him part of uh, our story, our adoption journey as well. Um, so yeah. That, that's, that's just that, that whole, uh, what the Lord has done relationally, it blew my mind. I mean, it still does. Every time I hear it, I just get so excited about what God's doing there. And uh, that, now, uh, obviously on this journey, that you've been on. The Lord has taught you many things, I'm sure. Um, he's taught me things just vicariously through listening to your story. What, 
uh, what would you think of as kind of the big learnings uh, for you uh, on this journey? Can you jump off, please? I got it. Yeah. Um, I think um, when I think about just our story from start to finish, um, and it's ongoing, obviously. Um, one, you just need to have an open hand. I feel like you hear the Lord so many times in your life, and um, we see, I mean, we think of all that we've gone through, and it hasn't been easy, and we've had lots of um, stumbling blocks and learning experiences, but with, um, for me personally, just um, not having expectations um, to just allow the Lord to work and to just walk with an open hand um, and just allow him to, to use us um, as he sees fit. And um, it's been beautiful to be a part of, and it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be called by the Lord in any aspect, whatever he's calling you to do, whether it's to just go up to somebody that you're feeling like you need to speak to, like what a privilege that the Lord wants to use, use me, you know? Um, for his work. Um. Well, and one of the things that, you know, we, we kind of spoke of is the beauty of when you do listen to the Lord's, not only his truths, but his ways, and you follow him in his ways obediently, then you get the, the blessing on the backside of that, that you don't access any other way. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's been great to, to watch you guys do that. Um, yeah, I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna mention. Uh, I think we had talked about it a little earlier, uh, but just obedience mm. of when you're getting that, when you feel that tug, um, and you're not even sure about what that tug's about uh, in your heart. Um, you know, being obedient to either just pray and listen, or you know, sometimes we have to shut our mouths, right? <laughs> Amen. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, through this whole nine-year process, um, you know, just just patience. Um, mm. Patience to see what door God is going to open for you next and uh, what opportunity is going to be out there for you next to help serve or um, yeah. be out there. So Now, speaking of help serve. And you did, I know that yeah, yeah, you, you didn't transition that intentionally, but I do want to want to step in that because you know that calling of obedience uh, is God hasn't stopped that movement. Uh, and, and Lindsay, there's a, a unique kind of next level of of this journey that God has you on, and uh, it's it's taken a level of obedience and some back and forth and prayer over it. Tell us a little bit about where where the next step with following the Lord in this adoption journey has taken you. Yeah, um, bringing hope home. I'm really excited um, to see the fruit already of just the obedience of stepping out and starting this ministry here um, with the amazing support of staff and just everybody. Um, but it's, it, that in itself has been a journey too. From the very beginning, Taylor and I have been very open about the Lord to say, you know, here's our story. Um, you know, whoever wants to hear it or if they just need a phone call or things like that. And a few years ago, I was asked to start an adoption um, group, I guess. And I tried to do it by myself. And like we all know, it's really hard to do anything by yourself. Um, and so it was beautiful in its own right, and a lot of fruit came from that, but it, did, it wasn't sustainable. Um, and so when COVID hit, um, that ministry kind of fizzled out, I guess you could say. And um, we started coming here at River Bluff, and I think the first thing I said in the new members class was, hey, Pastor Joe, um, do you have an adoption or foster care ministry here? And he said, no. And I said, why? And he, he just looked at me. He was like, because the Lord hasn't brought us somebody yet um, to lead that up. So um, it has been a long, a long journey, a beautifully long journey. And we're excited to be here and um, Bringing Hope Home is not just for families that are looking to adopt. Um, we really want to be a place. Um, there's lots of on-ramps to, to get involved um, in 
just um, caring for vulnerable children. And as Pastor Joe said this morning, just, um, you know, birth mom and unplanned pregnancies. And there's just so many ways that we can step into what the Lord is already doing. Amen. Um, Amen. Now, one of the things I love that you said a moment ago was, I mean, I get it that it's out of loss and maybe pain a little bit of having tried to do this by yourself to start with. And you've learned. No more of that. No more of that. And because God wants to give us partners in ministry. And one of the beautiful partners that God is giving us on this journey in ministry is a, a lady named Kathy Leak. So I'm going to ask y'all if y'all would switch places. Y'all, y'all thank uh, Taylor and, and Lindsay for sharing. But also welcome Kathy Leak. Kathy, we're glad to have you with us here today. Kathy is the state director for Lifeline Children's Services, um, and uh, she has some, uh, just an incredible personal journey, have a seat, and uh, on this, uh, in this journey, and uh, so she's going to share, I want to make sure that you know, this afternoon at four, there's going to be a much more detailed information meeting. We're kind of hitting the highlights of things today, but uh, both Lindsay and Kathy are going to be back. Uh, to kind of give this official launch to a new ministry here at River Bluff Church called Bringing Hope Home, because that's what we want to do. The only hope for this world is Jesus. That's who it is and and, and what it is, and so central to this ministry is going to be the hope of Jesus uh, on both ends of the spectrum and everything in between. And Lindsay has a great deal of experience um, in this, and so I say Lindsay. Kathy has a great deal of experience in this. They've become one in my mind in some ways. But uh, Kathy, if you would tell us a little bit about Lifeline and kind of your journey there, especially well, it's not just especially because it's what you do. You work with churches. So tell, tell us about that. Well, good morning, River family. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Lifeline is a gospel-centered parachurch ministry. So we work outside of churches, but we exist to equip the local body of Christ to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children, to orphans, to vulnerable children and their families. Um, you can think of us kind of like a bridesmaid to Christ Church, the bride. Our desire is not to come in as the social workers, as the professionals, and do the work for the church. Um, I think it's very clear in scripture that caring for widows and orphans is the job of the church. And so our job is to come alongside and prepare, encourage, train, equip the local body to do this work. Um, Everything that Lifeline does is gospel-centered. Uh, so we, we desire to see gospel hope manifest to these kids, to their birth families, to their siblings, to the surrounding community. Um, but everything that we do is through the local church. So I get to come alongside local churches all the time and talk and care and host info meetings, what I get to do. Well, that gospel-centeredness is why you're on the stage today. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the only reason. <laughs> I'll just be honest. Yeah. Be- because you guys want to equip the church in the work that God has called us to, which is take the, the good news about Jesus everywhere. Now, how, Kathy, how did you get involved yeah. with Lifeline? But even bigger than that, how did you get involved in adoption yourself? Right. So nine years ago, I sat in a room like this, in green chairs like this, on a Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, hearing a sermon like this. And uh, my husband and I very much felt like we should say yes but we didn't know really to what. Um, We had no background in adoption or foster care. I didn't know any foster parents. I didn't know anyone who was adopted. Um, It just really wasn't a part of our life. Um, And to be candid, I was really quite naive. Um, As beautiful as an adoption day is, as redemptive as that day is, all adoption starts from loss. And Lifeline was incredibly patient with us. We met Lifeline through our local church, through our home church where we were members. And our caseworker was very patient with us, training us, um, giving us new eyes to see what this adoption um, and foster care journey looks like for a local church and for a family. Um, And so we were taught about loss and trauma parenting and caring for kids in a way that was different than we had done with our biological children. But more than anything, Lifeline was patient with us to remind us that as parents, 
of any children in our home that these children need Jesus, that these families need Jesus, that we have a stewardship opportunity for this short period of time, whether it's in foster care for a few days or a few months or it's adoption for forever, that we have this short period of time to steward a relationship with our children so that they get to hear the name of Jesus early and often. Um, and so we were really impacted by that, by that discipleship from Lifeline. So much so that about five years ago, I actually left a for-profit consulting gig and said, Lord, use me. I know we've been doing this, you know, extra bonus parenting for a while, but five years ago I became state director um, of the ministry. And so I now spend much of my time driving around the state, meeting with churches and families in this work. One of the things that I just loved about the way you expressed that all of this is kind of birthed out of loss, you know, the adoption on both ends uh, of this. And that itself is a picture of the beauty of the gospel, you know, that uh, we've been adopted uh, into the family of God, but Jesus lost his life so that that could happen. And we lost sin um, and the power and penalty of it. And I just love the way that as you were think, talking about that, that, that description um, of loss. Now, uh, the, out of loss, there's always redemption. And when there's redemption, there's the, the, the beauty of, of, of gain from that. And, uh, and so we get to, uh, even somebody like me, you know, a, a, a grandfather now, um, can, can get engaged in something like this. I know that that may sound strange because the, the truth is unless God sends a, a, a bush and burns and all that kind of stuff, I doubt very seriously Kathy and I are going to be, my wife's name Kathy, by the way, <laughs> Kathy and I are going to be adopting anytime soon, but um, we still have a role to play. We, there, there's something we could do. Could you talk just a little bit about the, kind of the, what I'll call the, the broad uh, opportunities for people to engage? Sure. Well, you brought it up a little bit this morning already. You talked about James 127. That's a really popular verse in the world that I'm in. Um, pure and undefiled religion is this, that we would visit widows and orphans in their distress. The second half of the verse, though, let's not forget that, which is that believers are called to be holy, to be set apart. We should look different. And I think all of us here would say, that second half of the verse is for all of us, hmm. right? I grew up the daughter of a military officer, so there was very much do right, be different. Your behavior should look and feel different from the culture. That was very much a part of my upbringing. Um, so as believers, if we know that we are to remain holy and unstained from the world, that first half of the verse is true for all of us too. That in some way, in some capacity, we are all to help vid widows and orphans in their distress. So um, we'll talk a lot about this t this afternoon um, at the information meeting, but my hope is that our team, that we would be able to illuminate pathways for everyone to say yes to something, that there is a yes for everyone. And while I do think there are probably people here today who have considered adoption, and, and I hope you'll come and learn more about that. Um, in fact, there's probably more of you that can say yes than are maybe willing yet. Uh, but there is a yes for everyone else. It's sometimes hard to find, which is really Lifeline's role. Our role is to help come alongside as a helpmate to the River family and show, hey, there's this other pathway over here and there's this other pathway over here. Maybe there's not clarity, but we join you in prayer that the Lord would bring clarity to the certainty of his calling that the church is to be involved in this work. So uh, you mentioned the four o'clock meeting again in the context yeah. of that. Who should come? I mean, who, 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 would, who would walk away with something by coming this afternoon at four? Uh, I think three primary groups. Um, one, if your life has been touched by adoption, you are adopted. You know people who have adopted. You have adopted. Um, I think tonight's, this afternoon's meeting will be beneficial to you. I think if you are thinking about, I'm not going to adopt. My parents have very clearly said the same thing. You know, we love that that's a part of your life, Kathy. That's not, we're, we're done. We've raised you and your sisters. We're not going to adopt. But they've said yes to this next section, which is that they support those in this work. 
They support adopted children. If you're looking um, to be a support to adoptive families, uh, be a support to expectant and birth families, there is a great role in that wraparound care to the adoption triad, to those three different groups. Um, as well, if you're thinking, I might want to adopt. Maybe not today, maybe not even tomorrow, but someday. I would love for you to come and hear about adoption, hear about it from a scriptural and biblical perspective, not just the nuts and bolts of the forms that you fill out and how long it takes and the money and time that it costs, but why we do it in a way that we, we want the church to be involved in this work. Um, I love when high schoolers and youth groups come and learn about this because today might not be the day for the adoption, but one day, prayerfully, I hope you date someone in the Lord and that you make this a part of your family one day, you can come and hear about what that looks like today and ministry opportunities that the Lord may have for you in the future. So we know that about 50% of Christians, this is research that Lifeline has done, 50% of Christians think about adoption, prayer, prayerfully consider adoption, only about 2% of Christians do go on to actually adopt. My, my hope and prayer is that today, 100% of the River family feels like they can be a part of this in some way. Um, that tonight, that this afternoon, that there would be a way for everyone to see an on-ramp that they can be involved in this new ministry. And you're going to help us. I'm going to help. I'm, I love being a helpmate. It's, that's <laughs> awesome. This is my favorite part of my job. Well, we love that about you, and, uh, and because of that, I want to take a moment to pray for you and, and for the ministries of Lifeline and for us as a church um, as God is walking us into this kind of new, new ministry. Let's pray together. Father God, uh, I just come in Jesus' precious name giving thanks once again that Jesus, from your loss, we have gained life in you an invitation to live in your kingdom, uh, this, this invitation to, to live forever with you. And, and we thank you, Jesus, that you were here present today. And we thank you, God, for sending Kathy Leek into our lives, into our River family this way. God, I love our heart and the mission of Lifeline to, to equip churches. I think about your word that tells us that you have given uh, pastors and uh, teachers and evangelists and apostles to the church for the purpose of equipping uh, the saints for the work of ministry. And I thank you that we have a partner like Kathy and Lifeline who will equip me as a pastor to equip our church, who will equip Lindsay to, to help equip our church. God, I'm just so thankful for her. I th God, I thank you for her story that's woven under your bigger story, God, that she submitted her story to your story, Lord, and out of that you are doing beautiful, wonderful, incredible things in your kingdom. And so I pray for your blessing on Kathy and on her, her family, God, her marriage, her husband, uh, God, and the ministry uh, that she's involved in specifically. And I pray for the work she's doing in our state, taking this message of hope and, and the good news of Jesus uh, as she goes into those places and spaces of loss in the lives of people. And so, God, I, I pray for the beautiful seeds of the gospel, the good news about Jesus to, to, to find a place to be planted and, and watered and nurtured and grown into everlasting life for those who, who come in contact with this ministry of Lifeline. I pray, God, for its support. I pray, God, for Kathy's influence in our state, uh, God, to grow uh, in the days ahead uh, so that this ministry uh, can grow uh, and, and partner in other churches. Lord, I, I just thank you so much again for the beauty of the gospel and the way that you paint it in so many different ways. God, we love you and we thank you this day. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Y'all thank Kathy for joining us. Uh, thank you so much, dear. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, the question now is, uh, what? You know, we, we, we knew when uh, this decision by the Supreme Court last summer was made that it was going to open the door to new ministry opportunities. 
And that's what this is. This, you know, many of us have stood in the ranks and maybe marched or fought or, or whatever to see that decision overturned and to begin to see laws passed in our own state to protect the lives of unborn children. But when they get here, what kind of life are they going to face? That's the other part of the story of the gospel that we get to step into now as God's people. And each of us can play some small role. Some can play huge roles. Maybe God's going to put it on your heart to adopt. And, and you may be a young person here. And, and maybe today God's planting a seed that you will see birth, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now even. And, and God's at work that way. And then there's, you know, grandparents like me that w- where we are in our stage of life probably wouldn't be a good idea for us to adopt a young one right now. But we can help. We can support. We can, we can, we can give. We can uh, get involved in, in lots of ways. And so coming back uh, today at 4, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider that because God may want to, to do some more work. Uh, again, I was excited for what I heard as people were walking out today. Um, he, he's at work. He's just at work in this. We knew he was going to be. I just didn't expect some of the stories to pop as quickly as they did today. And I'm so grateful to see God moving that way. And uh, so here's what I I want us to to take some moments to do. Is as we worship, uh, in in closing, I I want you to to answer the question that we're kind of going to sing about. Would you make room? Would you make room that God could use you in this part of his redemptive story to transform lives on both ends of the spectrum through domestic adoption support because we're going to we're going to dive into that at the river here we're going to get in and uh, i think it's going to be a beautiful thing so join me as we pray lord god we come in the powerful beautiful name above all names jesus thanking you god that you would count us worthy to be a part of what you're doing in this world. Count us worthy to come alongside someone who's experienced loss and brokenness in this broken, messed up world we live in. And that you would let us bring the hope, the beauty of Jesus to them in whatever way you would call us to do. And so God, I I just come right now as Pastor River Bluff, Lord, asking us as a church, will we make room? Will we make room for you, O oh God, to do what you want to do so that we might see the beauty of the gospel explode in the hearts and minds of people? Would, would we make room for you to do that work, God? We, we cry out so often for revival. We cry out so often for a great awakening, God. I believe that because blood is not being shed in our land, innocent blood, your word tells us this, Lord, that healing can come. And when we get to see your healing come, we'll get to see the beauty of the gospel move. So would we make room right now, God, for you? We come asking you, Holy Spirit, to show us where in our lives you're calling us to make room for you.